0: Hi, I'm Jesse, welcome to Red Cloaks Radio where we are counting down to see if the Massachusetts legislature will or will not pass the Roe act before the end of the session on july thirty first. We've got a fantastic guest today because Kate Fralick is here from Naround, Massachusetts, and joining me as co-host today are
1: Martha from Boston Red Cloaks. Hi, I'm Laura, I'm honored to be here today representing the Boston Red Cloaks and Advocates for Women's Empowerment.
2: Hi, I'm Laurie, I'm with Cape Cod Women for Change and I'm also a representative to the Indivisible Mass Coalition. Hi, Kate, thanks for being here today. Hey. (laughs) Thank you all so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with
0: you all. We'd love to start out with just a quick overview of what NARAL is. Some of us are very familiar with the pioneering work that NARAL has done in protecting and expanding women's reproductive autonomy since the 70s. So, can you just give us a little overview of NARAL's work and then a little bit about your role as the membership and organizing manager here in Massachusetts? NARAL Pro Choice Massachusetts is the Massachusetts
3: state affiliate of NARAL Pro Choice America, and we work um, within the state of Massachusetts on legislative, political, and grassroots advocacy to advance reproductive freedom in Massachusetts. So we work on things like abortion rights, paid sick time and leave, birth control, sex ed, all of those full spectrum things that affect someone's reproductive freedom. And so my role as membership and organizing manager is to work with all of our awesome members across the state, our volunteers, to take action on the issues that we support. So I work, you know, with regional teams, volunteer leaders. I run phone banks. I help out local candidates running for office. Um, Kind of the big picture volunteer work is what I focus on.
0: You in particular, and NARAL, Massachusetts, along with coalition partners, have been working since last January, January 2019. So we would love to spend a few minutes kind of bringing people back to that launch. And Lori, you were there. Laura, were you there? Yeah. We hadn't met yet. Lori, can you just tell me a quick thing, something you remember about that day? And then, Kate, we'd like to hear from you what was going on on the non-volunteer side, on the professional side there.
2: Sure. So I think we had two or three carloads of women from Cape Cod that drove specifically for that day and it was extremely energizing you know when we got there and the throngs of you know well dressed well spoken uh, enthusiastic strong women from all across the state were there and 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 then we were greeted by women at the state house legislators advocates Our own legislators were there with open arms, all of them ranging in age from young women to experienced older women. And it was just an extremely energizing and affirming um, way to introduce the Roe Act, which was, we all thought, groundbreaking and amazing in its scope and how it covered, back then, 18 months ago, it sort of presaged what's happening right now with how social and racial injustice is written into our laws and our legislation. And and right now, the parts that we're fighting hardest for are the parts of the current law that disproportionately disadvantage young people of color and and we were ahead of the game then but still not getting listened to
0: kate so as you were helping frame that event first of all where were you in the state house were you like behind the tables receiving people were you like you must have been in a completely different place than those of us who wandered in off the street so to speak <laughs> <laughs> yeah those
3: events we always say we feel like Things are crashing down around us constantly, and we're just treading water. And the sign of a good event is if people can't tell that. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, that day I was running around kind of as a floater giving support to people. Uh, We had prepared, I think we started prepping for Sexual Health Lobby Day in November and really working together, us and Planned Parenthood, to make this day, it's an event that happens every other year, but we knew this year had to be a really big event because we were introducing the Roe Act and we did think that we had the potential to make some real change in Massachusetts. So yeah, that day was phenomenal to see people from all over the state, all genders, all abilities, like just such a wide berth of people Coming in and saying, you know we, we want these bills, that, specifically the Roe Act that are going to advance reproductive freedom. So it was a great way to kind of set the stage.
1: One of the things that really bowled me over when I went into the State House that day was the number of people. I mean, there were so many people there. How many how many were there that day?
3: There were a couple of hundred, um, yeah. at least 400, I believe.
0: And it was January, so you have to think it was winter, people are busy, mm-hmm. they're at work, they have to squeeze it in. It was not one of those quick in and out at lunch type of things. It was, it was an extensive mm-hmm. day. As we flash forward after that, it got referred to the Joint Committee on the Judiciary but they held a hearing in June. Would you say June is the next milestone?
3: We had a mini advocacy day in May, right around the time that all the abortion bills were being passed nationwide. We had a little mini day in response, which I, if my memory is correct, the red cloaks did come, and we have some great pictures of them all lined up as some of the legislators spoke.
0: You're right that red cloaks were there. We were in a small room that looked like a little hearing room.
3: June is kind of the next big... A big place
0: on the map. And Laura, you were there. Do you have yeah. memories from
1: the hearing? I guess I'm a visual person because one of the things that really um, struck me at the, the June hearing was the stark colors <laughs> that were there. There was a lot of pink and we were all wearing pink in support of the Roe Act, but there was also a lot of red. And uh, I I just wanted to get all of your takes on that that day because that really intimidated me a lot.
2: Mm -hmm. and the Reds were very passionate and very vocal and very angry (laughs) and um, we had a couple not run-ins but but like a a few very light confrontations and what struck me about it was if I believed what they believed I think I would be anti-Roe also Mm -hmm. which, for me, pointed out very starkly, the problem is the messaging. They listened only to the Catholic bishops, because, of Mm -hmm. course, the Catholic churches brought them in busloads, um, whereas we had to make our way there. (laughs) Um, And then um, they also have the GOP, actually the Massachusetts GOP website actually, you know, label this the infanticide bill. Mm-hmm. Right, and right. if I believed what they believed, yeah, that would be bad, right? Mm-hmm. And there was no way to get through to them. And I still don't know what the answer is
0: there. Kate, as you were framing the hearing and thinking about how to have presence there and how to organize people, what were some of the thoughts in your mind before the event? And then as it unfolded, I'm curious if expectations were met or if you were surprised by things. We.
3: All signs pointed initially to a hearing being in the fall, and we found out that the hearing was going to be June 17th, I think, a week and a half before that point, wow. and it was something that we thought we'd have months to prepare for. We suddenly had like a week and a half. and you know, this team, as you're documenting the process, this team has gotten to the point where we work so well together. And, you know, the ACLU, Planned Parenthood, and ARAL are the three like stakeholder organizations in this. And we've all worked together before, but we kind of had to lay aside some organizational priorities and dynamics and say, we want to work together on this. And so by that point, we knew what to do. We trusted each other. We broke into our teams and just set things into motion. So we needed, we set a bunch of categories of people that needed to testify. Um, patients, providers, people of faith, business people, a whole bunch of other people. And then we you know, recruited people, prepped them, got them ready. At the same time, we knew we needed to show up in huge numbers and we did that. I think we had this was the biggest attendance of a hearing since the marriage fight, which is incredible. Wow. And then, you know, anything with like that, like staffing plans. We spent three hours the day before making a staffing grid and we were sitting on the floor of the ACLU office on a Sunday and you know, of course, ten minutes into the day, all the plans fly out the window. <laughs> 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 but like also with choice it is a it is an issue that people feel very strongly about, and so you know that security is going to look a little bit different. You were talking
1: about t- working together, too, though, mm-hmm. and I think that's really important to note that, like, this this whole thing has helped, I think, even the littler groups like mm-hmm. ours mm-hmm. work with, like, I, I met Jesse, I met a lot mm-hmm. of other people there, mm-hmm. and we were like, yes, yes, we need to work together and in, in groups, and so... That was I, I thought that was so cool the way NARAL, Planned Parenthood, and ACLU just glommed together it's uh, been, to get people from different yeah. places.
3: It's been really special, and you know, NARAL's a small organization, so I'm the organizer there, and so to have organizing colleagues that I could trust and go to, and I actually was out for two months on medical leave, and I could trust them to take over and keep things going while I was gone. It's just been... I feel really lucky to have worked in this setting and seen that all come together.
2: Yeah. I feel like this is a, a almost a female trait, <laughs> <laughs> right? That we all sort of step in where needed and then step back and somebody else can step in and we can set aside the hierarchical things and um, kind of collaborate in, in the truest sense of the word and it makes me proud to know all of you.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's been great. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, all of you and all of the volunteers that we've gotten to know and organization leads over the past year. It, it has really opened up so many relationships and I'm constantly inspired by all the people that are just working tirelessly to make change.
0: As we're reflecting on the hearing, do you remember how many people came? Because you said it was second to the marriage.
3: Yeah, we had over 700 signed in on our side, and I think there's a very good chance we missed a bunch of people. And we think the other side had just about as
0: much, too. I mean, there were like three overflow rooms for the hearing; it was huge. Right, people, when we were trying to get in, people had to wait a long time Mm -hmm. outside, and then the auditorium filled up, and they opened up the flag hall which is mm-hmm. a huge space, and then there was another room opened upstairs mm-hmm. with people sitting on the floor, leaning on the edges. It was truly filled to capacity, past capacity. <laughs> After the hearing, from a volunteer's perspective or a, a constituent, it got very quiet. The next event, I believe, was the rally day in the fall.
3: In between the hearing and the
0: rally day, the
3: legislature goes into recess,
0: and so there,
3: there's a kind of a natural wall in things before they pick back up in the fall. And yes, we did have a rally day and, you know, another
0: day for us to come together and say this still matters for us. People from across the state, again, coming in to come back up to the state house. And then you had people gather in a room where they were able to speak and give different points of view to some legislators who were in attendance. Red Cloaks came to the rally day that you organized, but we came separately. So you were organized with people meeting down the street little walk away. How was the planning for that day? What, what did that look like compared to planning for, say, the hearing or sexual health lobby day? That time we knew
3: we had done advocacy days before, and so we kind of had that part down, but we wanted this to look a little bit different, and we wanted a rally component. Um, in terms of, you know, logistics-wise, booking a room, at the State House, is hard and we decided to start off site and then travel. We also had live streaming available at the State House, which I was the one who staffed that. Um, so people who couldn't or didn't want to walk across the common. Um, so, yeah, we also worked at that part to get some speakers, a really wide variety of people from across the state, uh, people of faith, labor. Um, all sorts of people there to talk about Roe and kind of get us reinvigorated about it to kind of to go into the next part.
0: Laura, we definitely met that day. I believe at Alewife. Does that sound yep. right? Yep. Um, and at that point, we came separately, and it's not a it's not a disagreement. But during the hearing, red cloaks were going to go as red cloaks, but in the end, were advised to perhaps go in plain clothes to help show strength in numbers around the pink shirts and to make it easier. When the rally day came, Red Cloaks decided to go as Red Cloaks separately and to be there as kind of a statement. And so yeah. we didn't we didn't gather for the preparation meeting. Instead, we stood outside to cheer people on on the way in. Laura, right. do you remember what it was like when we were standing outside as people were going into the SEIU building?
1: Uh, very hard not to say anything to people. <laughs> <laughs> that's always the hardest part for me. You know, we can't be like, yeah, go get them. We're just very silent. But, um, but I, I, I always think that, um, you know, we, we were, we were part of a group that was a hundred percent supporting us, you know, the, the people that were there to support that. So, um, I don't know. I just felt like a statue to the people that didn't support. Mm-hmm. You no, know, just walk on. Just walk <laughs> <laughs>
0: Woven through all of this was an enormous postcarding effort. Yeah, collecting
3: postcards. I, <laughs> I have two fifty sitting right next to me, actually. Um, so we worked extremely hard over the eighteen months, and by we, I mean the whole coalition collecting postcards to give to voters. And we had people at farmers' markets, at you know the Fourth of July fireworks, at pride, at their family barbecue, everywhere in the state getting voters to sign postcards. And this was an incredible effort. We delivered thousands of postcards to legislators. And we actually have a couple thousand that are from pre-pandemic. And I'm working to get them in the mail right now to go to legislators, because that was hard work. And those are people whose voices need to be heard. So that was a really cool program that
0: we poured a lot of time into, and it paid off. As we've come to, to 2020 and we're here, pandemic definitely intervened. Red cloaks mm-hmm. were still going up to the state House in February when life was completely different, mm-hmm. and it's definitely had an impact on the work we can all do. What does it look like from where you are now? Mm-hmm. you just had a zoom rally It's a very different environment yeah
3: it's been wild. You make so many plans and for months. My big role was postcarding at the polls on Super Tuesday. And then I actually went on vacation right after that and came back and the state had shut down. And so all the plans we had for the next couple months were just thrown out the window. And there's been a number of deadlines along the way that are constantly changing. You know, you think, we need to push to this date and then they extend the bill or we need to push to this date and then COVID happened. And we had had the deadline of May 12th for the reporting of the bill. It got pushed to July 31st. We felt it wasn't appropriate to do advocacy for a number of months. And then as soon as, you know, things started changing and we felt like, advocacy was appropriate. Again, we talked to legislators and they said it's time. And so we knew we needed to make a big splash in order to get people back into it. We have people like you all that have been engaged and cared and working throughout, but then we have other people who there's so many things to care about and work for here and to say like, it's time. So we worked hard on that rally to have a group of speakers that would draw people because I think there's a lot of Zoom fatigue right now that Mm. would speak to different aspects because for people who have been to all of our events, it's like we've heard the same five people speak a lot and so let's get some new angles and then we were inspired by I think a different virtual rally to get some sort of art component and so having a spoken word poet on it I think was just an incredible addition. And so it was, you know, you never know how a new format of an event is going to go, but I was really excited by how that turned out.
1: So
2: now, what would you think would be the best thing to do? Are we, should we do more postcards? Should we try to do these uh, things via Zoom, try to do something with safe distancing? What would be your idea to do now?
3: That's a great question. We have 18 days until the session is scheduled to end, and that's not a lot of time. We do still feel like this bill isn't dead. We're not giving up hope. We need to push. And the biggest thing is for legislators to feel the pressure. And we need all legislators. I think there's a group of legislators that are never going to support Roe, and that our time isn't worthwhile going to them. But the ones who are somewhat supportive or supportive, they all need to hear the pressure that this is something their constituents care about and want them to take action on. And so we need to be calling, emailing, all of that. And I know a lot of us live in districts where, like my rep's Christine Barber, she is a champion of this bill and I know she knows we need to work on it. So my personal focus is on amplifying my voice. and. So we do phone banks where people can be patched through to their legislators. So that's a great way to contact voters in districts. We also are just trying to reach out to organizations that might be in the districts that we um, need to make some noise in and figure out how to work with them to make some noise. So I think as much as we can amplify the ROE Act as possible, that's what we have to do. And also, you know, we're still in a pandemic, so doing it safely, I think we're not going to have
0: any in-person events, but we we need to work virtually. <laughs> we are going to follow your emails because you send out great updates with easy ways that people can pitch in. We will continue doing our pass it Relax, Pass It On videos. Really appreciate your time today. The work you're doing is priceless. Mm-hmm.
3: Thanks. Thank, Thank you so much. It's been such me. a pleasure working with all of you. And I can't believe it's been 18 months. And you know, the Roe Act is the only consistent thing in my life right now. <laughs> and I I hope we can get it over the finish line. But we should be proud of the work we've done either way. Thank you so Thank much you for being so much. here. Thank you all.